Welcome to the Meditate on Christ podcast. Today, I'm excited about having Sean McCauley on. And Sean is the founder of Formidable Combative Arts and Fitness Calgary. And why is a guy, uh, Formidable Combative Arts, uh, why is a guy who founded that on the Meditate on Christ podcast? Well, Sean was in the ministry. He was a pastor for 25 years. Um, until he experienced a life-changing brain injury. And I wanted to have him on the podcast to talk about recovering from something like that, what was involved, what did he have to do, and how that plays into dealing with the current fears, anxieties, concerns that we all have in this uh, current situation and on into the future. So, Sean, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Yeah, I'm uh, so glad to have you on. It sounds like we have so many areas of common interests. So uh, I'm sure we'll get into that as we get going. But first off, I want to start with this accident back in June 2010 that mm-hmm. kind of changed everything for you. What what happened? Um, well, I'm... I'm we live in Calgary, and uh, I just happened to be... I was, drove my oldest daughter downtown to uh, dance recital practice and I had my other daughter and her at that time a young man friend in the back seat and we were driving uh, up 17th Avenue coming back from uh, downtown and uh, stopped at a red light and we got uh, slammed into from behind by a a large uh, city road crew truck Um, and uh, and it totaled the back of the car Um, but uh, I got a fairly significant concussion um, that uh, the, the doctors that I talked to, the first doctor I talked to in the ER a few days later, uh, told me I had a shearing concussion where the, the two lobes of your, your brain kind of uh, separate. They kind of, there's a little whatever, you know, connecting them and they kind of, you know, my two lobes uh, kind of tore and separated. And, uh, and uh, yeah. yeah, so it's, um, so kinda, uh, uh, so just just uh, walk me through that. You said a couple days later, but you didn't go to emergency right away. Well, um, no. Well, I'm a man, so uh, you know <laughs> you you typically don't go to the doctors or a hospital or anything like that. You put duct tape on something and you carry on. Uh, well, I had the accident, and we dealt. Uh, actually, had the 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 moment of the accident uh, i was sitting at the red light and then all of a sudden i was uh, if you can picture yourself sitting in front of the steering wheel i was sitting there with my hands up in front of me kind of spreading my fingers out and i was opening and closing my hands in front of my face and i couldn't feel my arms from my elbows to my fingers and i was just kind of staring at my hands and uh and then all of a sudden i heard banging on my window and I kind of looked at my window and there was somebody yelling at me through the window asking me if I was okay. And then, and then I remember hearing my daughter uh, crying in the back seat. And, and it was just all just very surreal. Very, um, I, w- I was very uh, confused as to what was going on. And uh, then I kind of clued into what happened and checked to see that they were all right in the back seat. And then I got out of the car and, and, you know, you just kind of go, you know, kind of, we, we we got hit, and then our car propelled into a, a little Honda in front of us and slammed into the back of their car. 
And so there's a lot of people involved and it was on a busy 17th Avenue street in the middle of the afternoon. Sun was out, all people all over, you know, it's down where all the restaurants and clubs are and stuff like that. So there's people everywhere. And I, you know, kind of, we went through the whole thing, you know, sharing uh, insurance and all of that sort of thing. And then I jumped in the car, it was still drivable. And I started to drive away and I went to the police station and I realized I didn't even have my wallet and stuff. I'd actually left it in the hands of one of the people, the other people in the, oh, <laughs> the wow. accident. And I was like standing there in front of a police officer in the police station telling about the accident. And they're asking for my information. I didn't have it. And I got on the phone. I, th- I think probably in hindsight, the first indication that something was wrong was one. I didn't know where my wallet was. And then I got on my cell phone and talking to my wife, Barb. And uh, we get into this big argument on the phone. I just like lit up and I was just angry. And if you knew me, uh, that isn't normal. I'm, I'm very quite even killed and I don't, uh, I don't get, <laughs> I don't get angry and I don't, I'm not a yeller. I'm not a screamer or anything like that. And I yelled at her on the phone for some reason. And, and, uh, went home and Barb kind of figured that there's something wrong with me, but I didn't think there was anything wrong. And then two days later, I went for a coffee with a friend of mine, <clears throat> excuse me, who's a uh, less bond minority is uh, one of the lead pastors at uh, first Alliance. And, but he's also a, a medic. Uh, he does like world cup skiing, uh, and takes care of the skiers on the mountain and stuff. And we we're having a coffee and he looked at me, about 20 minutes in the coffee and he looked at me and said, Shano, you need to, uh, you need to go to the Emerge. I said, what are you talking about? And he said, you've been altered. And I was like, what? <laughs> I just laughed. I was like, what are you talking about? There's nothing wrong with me. And so again, being a man, I, you know, said, well, okay, maybe I'll do that and finished our coffee. And I went home, jumped on my motorcycle and went home. And, and then the next morning I finally, Barb and I kept just talking about it and she thought something was wrong. So I rode my motorcycle to the, to the emergency and uh, as I got got to the window uh, I told him uh, I was in an accident a couple days ago blah 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 my wife thinks there's something wrong my friend who's a medic thinks there's something wrong I don't know and uh, they leaned in looked at me pulled out a light shot into my eyes I was like, boom they just opened up the doors and swung me in there quickly sat me down a doctor came up checked my eyes and they immediately put me into a room which you know like if you've been in the emergency ward or whatever uh, that doesn't usually happen very quickly <laughs> yeah. And the doctor came in, and uh, I guess one pupil was <laughs> and one very, very large pupil and one very small pupil. I'm not a doctor, but apparently that's not a good thing. And so, yeah, right. that's when I found out that there, there was something. And, and so for me, you know, the the you know, the, the months that uh, transpired after that, I just it, it just it became a slide. It became the 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 symptoms um, became exceedingly worse as the weeks and months went on from there. Wow. So I want to ask you about life before this and what you were doing, uh, what your job was, how, you know, tell me a little bit about life before and then we'll get back to life after. So you were in the ministry? Yeah. Yep. Uh, Yeah. So I've, I've got about, uh, about, about, around 25 years of uh, vocational ministry as youth pastor, associate pastors, uh, church planting, uh, planted a couple churches, uh, lots of preaching, a lot of public speaking, uh, leadership development, uh, discipleship uh, development for programming for you know, church and stuff. 
a lot of camps, preaching at camps. Um, that, that, that was just, it was just who I was. I, it, it was very much my identity, uh, preacher, uh, leader, um, personality wise, I'm uh, a party starter. I'm, uh, was very much an extreme uh, extrovert, sanguine personality. Um, my friends and I would always talk about, I'm the one that would jump up on a table, throw a lampshade on my head, start a fire and draw a crowd. And then, uh, and then get everybody else to, you know, clean up the mess afterwards kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, so we, uh, Barb and I, my wife and I, we uh, we did ministry in Calgary and then in in Nippon, Saskatchewan, uh, northern Saskatchewan, then Swift Current, or sorry, then Lethbridge, then Swift Current, and then back in Calgary. And uh, so yeah, done that for years, and and also had a graphic design, a small uh, graphic design home business that uh, that had going for about fifteen years, also alongside of that. Yeah, so obviously, um, no, uh, you were you were not new to you know all of this uh, talking and working and doing all these things. Um, but right. what happened after you kind of realized you had this brain injury and and you were trying to deal with that? Um, were you in the hospital for a while or or just sent home or how did that work? No. No, uh, in in some ways, probably the worst, one of the hardest things about it was, uh, I actually remember like li- not even in jest, but literally wishing, wishing that I would have, instead of had it, having the concussion, I would have lost an arm or a leg or something like that. Um, because on the outside, it didn't look like there was anything wrong. And so there was no met, no time in hospital other than when I went to the emerge that, that day. Um, it was, it was like a good three, good three years or so before we actually found a doctor that actually said, um, I think we can help you. We can, uh, she said, uh, I think we can help you. I can't promise that we can get you back to what you, what you used to be, but we can help you get better. Um, at which time my wife uh, broke down and sobbed in the room. Um, it, uh, yeah, it, it just, it was a, it was very much kind of a, a slide from the, the days and weeks and months that after the accident, um, I started losing words. I couldn't find, I couldn't find the words um, mentally as I, would, I was talking to people. Um, I started getting very, um, um, agitated, um, the stereotypical type of, uh, things that you hear about concussions, my personality changed. I went from being the one that uh, just thrived in crowds of people and um, I was energized by people it turned to where I, I really, I started to hate people. I just, uh, everyone just, I was just angry. I was angry and bitter. Um, I couldn't talk right. Um, I had so happened that within about a week of the accident, I had um, blew my knee out uh, playing hockey. Uh, so I couldn't walk right. I couldn't talk right. I couldn't think right. Um, I was angry. Uh, and, uh, you know, in, in the, the weeks and months that ha- preceded that, that um, I shut down the graphic design company um, because I couldn't, I mean, it was, I worked with oil companies and like in a can of oil and a lot of real high pressure, um, high, highly creative and high pressure type of uh, work where, you know, you sit down in front of executives or whatever and they say, okay, do this and do this, be creative and do this now. And you got like five minutes <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and don't disappoint us kind of thing. And, and I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't sit in front of the computer, uh, which I spent so, so much time. I couldn't, uh, my head couldn't handle it. Um, 
And uh, so I had to sh- eventually shut down uh, within that year. I had to shut down the company. And then um, I remember, and then I had to step out of vocational ministry and I never, I never actually returned. Um, uh, I was in a, in a leaders meeting at our, our home church at Seagree Church West with Pastor Lauren Tebbett and Kelly and them. And I was a, I was uh, one of their executive pastors, and I was in charge of uh, discipleship and leadership development. And I'd been working on a plan for going into the you know the next five, ten years for our church, and and I was doing a presentation on it. And in the middle, <laughs> in the middle of the boardroom, I just remember standing and talking through the stuff with about you know ten, fifteen people in there. And uh, one of my friend uh, Dana, she started asking questions. And you know, just typical questions, nothing, nothing aggressive or anything. And I lost it. I I remember punching the table, uh, slamming my fist down on the table, and pointing at her and yelling at her or something. And and I remember just having this out of body, almost out of auto, out of body experience because that just isn't me. It isn't me at all. And I just remember watching myself do it, and everyone just kind of oh, wide eyes and <laughs> staring at me and. And I just, uh, I excused myself. I said, I need a minute. And I walked out in the hallway and I stood there and Pastor Lauren came out and he asked me if I was okay. And I said, uh, I need to, I think I need to resign. I need to resign and I need to get healthy. Uh, there's something, there's something wrong. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that was it. I stepped away and, and I literally been, overnight went. Sorry, just to interrupt. This would have been oh. how long after do you think? Oh man, I need my wife here to remind. Yeah, there's a lot of blur, a lot of blurry days back then. Um, But it was, it was something like, I think it was, I think it was like December or January following. Oh, so this is like a good half a year later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So fumbling through everything. Tell me what it looked like trying to cope with that. I mean, in the in the, I mean, probably within this first half a year or whatever, the probably isn't much to talk about in the way of coping, but what did it look like afterwards? How did you, you know, obviously went on a bit of a journey. Three years later, you find a doctor who finally says you can help. What did that journey look like? Oh, um, I, I remember, I remember very little, um, but the things I do remember are extremely vivid. I remember my wife, and daughters, you know, Teresa and Naomi, my daughters, they were in high school at the time, and or high school, junior high, something like that, <laughs> somewhere around there. Yeah. Uh, but they were going to school, and Barb was going to work. Uh, I don't know, she works for Alberta Health, and uh, they go to work. And I remember, I remember one day in particular being curled up on the couch in the living room in fetal position and just uh, crying. Yeah. And uh, just just days, weeks, months of that. Uh, just I, I didn't know. I couldn't. I couldn't trust my. I couldn't trust myself. This is the. This is the problem. This is why I wish I would have lost an arm, because I couldn't trust my own mind. I couldn't trust my thinking. I couldn't trust how I felt. I couldn't trust how I was perceiving things. And I just remember crying and and just this is depression. Trying to you know trying to get yourself right. People, well, many people people that love me but people you know telling me you know just think positive just you know just you know come on you know you, be more positive and i just remember just wanting to punch people in the face yeah. um because i just thought 
it, it, to me, it was like telling somebody that just, you know, crushed his legs in a car accident. Well, just walk it off. Yes. Um, I couldn't, I, I couldn't think I couldn't trust I, that, that. That was probably the hardest thing for me is that I couldn't trust what I was thinking. Yeah. And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a fairly low, quite a level headed, uh, um, rational person. And, and so I remember this one day just curled up and I, I cried myself out. I was done. And I just remember laying there and, uh, I felt like I just dried myself, <laughs> cried myself dry. And, and I just remember thinking this was it. And it wasn't that I wasn't suicidal. Uh, I've never, for whatever reason, thank the Lord, I've never, I've never been suicidal, but I honestly just thought, I guess this is it. And I guess there's just nothing. That it's just going to stay the same. That yeah, there's no yeah, real yeah. change coming. Yeah. And I just, and I just laid there. And uh, the moment that things, I, I look at it as revival when revival started in my day, in my life was when I, as I was laying there, there's a picture frame with all the photos of, you know, family, family and friends and stuff. And I looked at the photos, looked at my wife and my daughters, my family, and I looked at them and, uh, honestly it, it wasn't audible, but I just felt like the Lord just kindly, but very strongly said, um, what are you going to do for them? He said, it's obviously not over because I would have taken you home. I would have brought you home by now. So obviously there's more for you. So you need to figure out what you need to do in order to be the husband and be the father and be the friend that you need to be for these people. So what are you going to do? And I just remember vividly that moment laying on the couch and thinking about that, thinking, if I'm still here, I'm still here and I got to do something and maybe it's not going to get much better, but I've got to do something. Yeah. And again, I, I, my, I couldn't even walk properly at the time. I and, just, uh, can I sorry? just interrupt there? I want to ask you about that. Um, mm -hmm. you know, this has come up a number of times, you know, when, when God speaks, um, you know, we have these ideas, these impressions of what, you know, what hearing God is like. And, uh, yeah. and in these critical moments, it, it seems like, like did, first of all, I want to ask, like, were you, was it normal for you to hear God speak like that? Maybe not audibly, but you know, in the, in those types of mm -hmm. ways, uh, was that a normal experience for you or was this a first time or were there other times that you could draw on? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm, yeah, it it for for whatever reason it, it's been very normal for me. Um, I, I gave my life to the Lord when I was eighteen, uh, and uh, you know, long story short, I'd, I'd been tossed in a jail downtown, and uh, with a number of my friends, and that uh, was in, in jail that night, and and the Lord spoke to me that day, and he and he uses pictures a lot of times. He uses pictures. I I, I visualize things, and when when I gave my life to the Lord sitting in prison uh or sitting in jail not prison sitting in jail uh he he gave me a picture as i was uh i remember i was this is i'll just keep the picture that's how what kind of how he speaks to me whatever yeah, I, yeah, i'd been please. given food, food I'd, I'd been given food i was sitting in the holding cell and uh by myself well there's two other men but i don't know them and uh they came in with food and they handed handed me food 
a, a paper plate full of food and I was starving. I was 18 years old. I was just turned 18 about a week or two before and, and uh, tossed in jail for, you know, B&E and friend that assaulted a police officer and a whole bunch of stupid stuff and everything. And, and I was in there, you know, this tough guy that all of a sudden wasn't feeling so tough. And, uh, and I had this uh, plate of food, uh, real flimsy. If you picture those real flimsy paper plates of food uh, uh, on my lap, you know, sitting in there, and it was roast beef on it, and, and mashed potatoes, and gravy, and maybe some corn or something like that. And it, it had the gravy. I vividly remember it. the gravy looked like it was. My mom used to always get a KFC, and then uh, then keep the KFC gravy yeah. and put it in the fridge. And then it become like this jello, a gelatin kind of real gross stuff, whatever. And that's what it was like. It was smeared over the roast beef. And I just remember I was so hungry that I grabbed my flimsy little uh, fork and I jammed it into the middle of a big piece of roast beef and I picked it up. And as I picked it up, it flipped off of my fork and it went flying through the air and it just, it was like slow motion to me, whatever. And it went and it felt great. It felt gravy side down on the floor. <laughs> and it, if anyone's ever had uh, the misfortune of being being thrown in jail, the floors aren't 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 very clean, and they're not very. It's not it's not a nice experience. And there's a you know a toilet in the corner, and there's no walls or anything like that, and around it and everything and all the stuff. Anyways, it's applicable to the story. I without thinking, without hesitating, I stuck my fork back into the meat and I picked it up and I went and I and I went and bit into it to take a bite out of it, and as I did that. It was like instant. It's like all of a sudden uh, the lights turned on, and uh, I saw I saw myself uh, with my face down at a in this uh, trough with pigs all around me, and these heads of these pigs bouncing off my head, and me eating the slop and fighting the pigs for the slop. And I'd been going to church up to that point, and all of a sudden the Lord brought the story of the prodigal son back to me as I was jamming this roast beef into my mouth and he visually gave me this picture and I could see myself in that and I had this roast beef and halfway in my mouth and I just in, in my heart in my mind uh, I just heard uh, just the voice of the Lord the voice of the father and he just said are you ready to come home and I was in a moment. I didn't do a sinner's prayer. I didn't get down on my knees. I didn't do anything. All I did was I just started to blubber. I just started to cry with this, <laughs> with this big piece of roast beef, beef in my mouth. And these two men st- sitting on the other side of the cell looking at me like I was losing my mind. And I was instantly, instantly saved. The, the moment my life completely transformed and I've never looked back. But he's always he's always spoken to me like that. He's always given me pictures, you know, and 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 because that's the first encounter I had with him. Uh, it's kind of like the you know the law first mentions kind of thing. The law, you know, what what was it like when you first meet somebody? That's going to tell you what it's going to be like. Uh, that's how I met him, and that's just I just I've always just trusted him that way. That he'll he speaks to me, and so when he does speak to me. I rarely go, mm, that mustn't have been him. Sometimes, I mean, a lot of times I'll talk to my wife and say, what do you think of this? This is what I feel like the Lord's saying or whatever. Um, but uh, I've always been, I've always just trusted him. I've always just trusted him that uh, if if he's God and he wants to speak, he's going to speak. And, and uh, if I'm not hearing him right, he'll tell me. Yeah. That's kind of how it goes. So. 
Wow, yeah. that's really, uh, I really appreciate you sharing that because that really gives some uh, kind of context to this event then as well. So you're looking mm. at photos of your family. Lord said, mm. what are you going to do for them? You know, it's not over. Yeah. Um, and so what happened after that? What did you do? What did you start to do? How do you even move forward from that? That's that's great that God is saying, you know, it's not over. What did you yeah. do to move forward then? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was so, yeah, yeah, I guess it goes back to that whole, you know, the first thing that God says or the first thing he mentions to you, it just becomes foundation for you. I mean, when he said that to me, he says, you, what are you going to do? What, what are you going to do to get better for them, for them? And uh, so there's kind of two key things there. One was uh, what started turning my heart from self-pity what turn, started turning my heart from this depression and this uh, just uh, my heart was just taken right out of me. What started turning me was me stop, stopping uh, this uh, inward focus navel gazing. Yep. And it was actually, oh, this isn't about me. This is about them. Yeah. Uh, if it was about me, if it was just about me, he would have brought me home already. If it was just about me, but but it's about them. He says, okay, it's about them. And I've left you, you're still here for them. So now what are you going to do? So, so that was the motivation that started to turn, that started the turn. And uh, literally the, the, literally um, the, the first step was a, a step. It was literally me getting off the couch. And I remember I remember it was like an altar call. If you, you know, if you've yep. been part of an altar call in a church or whatever, my altar call that moment was literally getting to my feet, which was painful, and it was uh, had to fight through a depression. But I literally, I remember I stood up, and I stood up in the middle of that living room, and I often remember that whenever I'm standing in the living room, and I remember that it, it was it became like a a holy a holy ground for me because I stood up. And I just started to weep again as I stood there on one bum leg. And and he said, okay, good, now do it again. And for me, it became uh, my spiritual, my spiritual um, response to a spiritual, to, a, to God who is a spirit. Uh, my spiritual response was a physical act. And it was standing to my feet and then sitting back down and then standing up again and sitting back down and I started a physical uh, therapy uh, regimen to start uh, bring, uh, start getting my leg whole again so that I could actually walk properly. Um, and so the, yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, sorry. That is so interesting because so often we feel like because God is spirit and you know, we're trying to be all spiritual and everything. We associate that, I think, often with um, thinking, with ideas, mm -hmm. with, uh, you know, even prayer mm -hmm. can be so intellectual sometimes. And yet what right. you're saying is, is, and often what happens really when you see people change, when you see something, the, a, a pivotal moment in someone's life it is a physical thing like this is it have you know god calls you to stand up he calls you to move forward he calls you to do something rather than you know agree to something even or you know like it's not a, an intellectual mm -hmm. sort of thing it's a it's a it's a real 
shift in all ways and you know in, in every yeah. way yeah. um and so like yeah. i'm just gonna jump way forward so right mm -hmm. now you have a business formidable um fitness you can obviously see where where the name of that comes from um what are you doing today like how um how do you what what's your business like what what do you do on a day-to-day -day or week-to-week -week basis um man living the life actually absolutely loving it um living uh right now so my wife and youngest daughter naomi and i we have a formidable combative arts and fitness so uh, my youngest daughter she's 27 she is my other coach uh, we've had other coaches with us uh, but right now it's uh, the two of us and we both uh we're, we're personal trainers so we train uh all sorts of people you know families kids all the way through uh to like 60 70 year olds um so we do physical fitness strength coach uh coaching um lift a lot of heavy weights and teach people how to get strong um and we uh teach and coach in uh combative arts so uh, martial arts like uh, jiu-jitsu uh, grappling uh, boxing kickboxing karate uh, specifically focused on self-defense so we also again we train everyone from excuse me uh six little six-year-olds in our uh, in our little warriors program to uh, teens to uh adults to security to uh, had police officers and military and whatnot. And so our focus is more practical, not like tournament type of stuff, but actually, you know, uh, protecting people, prote people protecting themselves and people protecting other people. Um, so, yeah, so that's, uh, that's our, that's our focus. That's super cool because, and the reason I brought that up now is I wanted the contrast between you just stood up from, from this place mm -hmm. of hurt, of crying yourself out. You said, you know, like, and you stood up and they sat down and God says, okay, good, now do it again. And now you're saying those words, I'm sure, to people, you know, okay, good, now do it again, right? And it's this yeah. um, amazing trans transformation from one to the other. Um, what types of um, spiritual disciplines, I guess you might call it, or um, habits, spiritual habits, have you developed mm -hmm. Um, maybe you had some going into this, you know, I, I, I imagine, but what, what has changed, you know, often, I guess what I'm trying to say is often before something like this awful accident happened, we have kind of theoretical sort of, um, you know, yeah. spiritual yeah. habits, and then they become real afterwards. Mm -hmm. Um, what do you, do you have? you know, some spiritual habits or, or, or maybe disciplines or whatever you'd want to call them that you'd like to share. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've, uh, I've become, I, well, what I was known for before, even, even as a pastor and a leader or whatever, I mean, there was definitely some discipline in my life and whatnot, but I was very much, uh, um, fake it till you make it kind of person, uh, lots of charisma, lots of, uh, real, um, uh, gutsy. I, I wasn't afraid to try, try anything and see if it worked out yeah, <laughs> kind yeah. of thing, but not a whole, not, not a whole lot of, um, I was a real good starter, but not a good finisher. I'll say it mm -hmm. that way. Mm -hmm. Um, I was a great starter, uh, but not great, not a great finisher in many, in many ways. 
um, what the what the Lord has used all of this. I mean, He didn't necessarily uh, cause that truck to whack me from behind and break my brain and all of that. But what He has done is He's used it to uh, move, move me from being being in a place in my heart and my life of being passive and being. Um, uh, yeah, it is go from a place of passivity to a place of real, a deliberate uh, focus and discipline. Um, for for me, uh, oh, I remember like I was re- like reading in uh, James. Yeah, I'll, I'll just read read this, and this is this is what became such a uh, pivotal for me. In James one, we've probably, a lot of us have probably heard this if in, in the Bible or in, in the church, especially these days. But it says, "Dear brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way." Let it be an opportunity for joy, for when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be strong in character and ready for anything. And that last part just rung out to me years ago. Uh, you, you know, When your perseverance is fully developed, you will be strong in character and ready for anything. Um, strong in your identity, strong in who Christ has made you to be, and uh, have that ability to be literally ready, ready to respond to any kind of circumstance. And he's used used uh, this place of weakness, uh, you know, a broken brain and broken heart and and all sorts of stuff uh, to um, bring understanding for us. Uh, in Proverbs, it talks about how he, you know, there's faith and understanding and wisdom. And these are, you know, this is what he builds, builds a house with them. And uh, for me, <clears throat> the understanding about understanding is understanding is the bridge, excuse me, <clears throat> is the bridge that bridges faith to wisdom, to a, a life of fruitfulness, a life of a productivity, a life of, of uh, where your faith in, you know, Second Peter, where he says, and then your faith will be useful and productive. The question for me that day as I had to stand up from the couch was, does my faith in Christ, is my faith in Christ actually helpful for my family? Yeah. <laughs> is, my, is my understanding of who Christ is and who I am in him actually going to help them uh, in these coming hours? Is it going to help them when we don't have any food on the table? Is it going to help them uh, when, they're, when their dad or their husband is you know, laying on the couch depressed and una- un- unable or unwilling to move? Uh, is it going to help them, uh, you know, in all of these things? Is, is my faith, is my understanding of who he is and who I am in him, faith, uh, useful and productive? And uh, the, the way that that is developed is through perseverance. Um, and, and so, so yeah. for me. So perseverance, a, yeah. So sorry. tell me about that. So what does perseverance look like for you? Oh, it's, it's, it's extremely severe. <laughs> break, break break that word down and you know, i've become i, I love uh, studying words now and stuff because you start realizing man i've been saying this word all my life and i had no idea what it was i was actually saying perseverance oh there's a severity to this oh i don't like that at all i don't like perseverance at all i don't like patience i don't like perseverance so um i'll, I'll give you an example um 
like we we've we've broken broken down our lives uh in what we're training people in even though we uh, you know we do strength training and combative arts and all that at, at the very heart of what we're doing is that we're we're raising up people that are strong in prayer strong in intercession and strong in exploits for christ is is what our uh, ultimate goal is just a um, second so um, um hmm. i don't want to miss over so you you just said you're training people physically but mm -hmm. you're training them in prayer like mm -hmm. what's the connection there yeah. uh, a huge connection a huge connection um in the last 10 years for the, my ability to talk to anyone about jesus has become so easy and it's not like i'm going out there you know going into my sessions and throwing down my my new living new living uh, translation and uh, starting preaching at people um, when you, when you find, find a person that has, that is finding weakness in their lives, when you find, when you have a person that is either willingly or they unwillingly, they, uh, by accident walked into a place where also they're facing their own mortality, their own weakness, whether it's their physical weakness or their emotional weakness or their spiritual weakness, what, what have you, mental weakness, what have you. Uh, when you get when somebody gets into that place where they face the weakness, they start asking questions. They start asking questions about well, like like for me when I had to stand up that day, my question was how how am I going to do this? How am I going to be a better husband and father? How am I going to how am I going to figure out how to walk? How am I going to all, all these things? So when you face weakness, when you're willing to, when you go into a place where you actually have to face the severity of your weakness and your your limits your ceiling in your life, um, it, it starts to impact the entire, your entire being. Um, I, I can't count how many times I've had people down, down in our gym or studio and we're doing an exercise, doing some sort of squat, doing some sort of something that challenges them physically. And it's, it's taking them to a place where they've never gone before. And it becomes, uh, not only a physical strain, but also the emotions get involved and tears start coming. And then uh, intellectually, they get really conflicted. The times where I've had people uh, had people um, just break down and weep in front of me uh, because I'm asking, I put ten more pounds on a on a on an exercise, and they break down, and they're facing. They don't even understand necessarily what's going on, but they're facing their mortality. They're facing their weakness. They're facing their lack. And the, the ability to actually introduce somebody to the source of life in, the, in those moments is so simple. And it's, and it's almost, I, I'm trying to think of a time when it hasn't been welcomed, actually. It's always welcomed wow. people. When people face their mortality, their weakness, and you, you can offer to them the answer, as in Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, the life, the very answer to, to that, that lack in their lives. It, it's almost always welcome. For me, breaking my brain and blowing my knee forced me to face some things that I was unwilling to face about my life. I was unwilling to face the fact that I was masking a whole bunch of insecurity and a whole bunch of deficiencies in my life with uh, my charisma and my my ability to get up in front of crowds and preach and and make people feel good. 
And what I didn't realize is was it was a mask. It was, uh, I was, even though I was preaching Jesus and I was loving people the best I could and I was doing all these things or whatever, it, it was in some ways it was no different than a Pharisee. I was white, these whitewashed tombs that I was, I was covering up. I was masking the reality that was, that was inside of my heart. And the way it was that I did not really believe that, that God would actually meet me in my weakness, that he would, that he would want to identify with me when I'm the worst of the worst. And so I kept doing, I kept jumping through the hoops and I kept doing all the right things and being, you know, a, a preaching golden boy, so to speak, uh, you know, in our church or whatever, and getting the applause and getting the, the affirmation from people. But I was afraid that I would never get the affirmation from the Lord. Wow. And, and when he, when he allowed me to go through what I went through, what I realized was is that it's in these places, these places of severity, it's in these places of incredible weakness and seeing these places of incredible lack, the reality of who we are, but we mask it up all the time. We cover it up with all of our, you know, our things and our toys and our, and our reputation and our certifications and our, all these things. And we mask it all up and, and we don't actually meet Jesus for who he really is. Um, I don't know if I'm saying this, yeah, saying no, this well. No, Take this is, uh, no, this is very good. Um, yeah. I, no, I can totally identify the, um, mm -hmm. the, the question I have right now is, um, so what do your, um, obviously you work out and all that sort of thing, but tell me about your, your kind of just your day-to-day -day spiritual habits. Yeah. Yeah. So, so bouncing off of that would be this. So uh, my, uh, every day looks like this. So I'm on, I can, I can even tell you I'm on uh, day 600 and, oh, 667, I think it is or 57 of uh, the, doing the same things every day. Um, and uh, so I get up and I, uh, I start my coffee and I get my water and I take my vitamins. And then once my coffee's, or while I'm making my coffee, I start to, I'm going to say a whole lot of stuff, but I'll, I'll point out a couple of things. Yeah, um, yeah. And I pray, I, for me, I pray in the spirit. I, I engage my spirit first. And I ask the Holy Spirit to speak to me um, and get past my mind, get past my emotions, get past my body and all of that. And I ask him to speak to me. And then I dedicate myself. Uh, I, I submit myself to him. So my prayer uh, starts with uh, squats. <laughs> okay. I, 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 I warm up my entire body. I, I do squats. I do lunges. I do some uh, bridges. I do some planks. I do some different things to warm up my whole body. And uh, the reason why I do this is because I realize, this is my understanding behind, behind all this, I realize that you, you serve whatever you serve, you become like. So think of it like in the olden, olden days, whatever with kings and stuff like that, whatever the, the kingdom becomes like the, the king, the nature of that king. That's what the kingdom becomes like. And so the servants become like that king. In my life, I look at it, I broke it down into kind of three, my life into three parts, body, um, body, emotions, and mind, and spirits for, for 
parts, but if I broke it down into those, I look at those and I realize the lowest common denominator, or the lowest rung on, uh, on in my life is my body. But so often, I uh, I what I realized was is that my body rules me instead of me instead of me ruling my body. For example, my favorite way of praying before before all of this was a big comfy chair my favorite coffee the sun coming through the window some awesome jazz or something playing in the background and me kind of just kind of sitting down hunkering down there and just feeling good and then letting jesus and letting jesus speak to me the same thing in worship say if you go to church and you uh, go into a worship time and people, when you hear people talk about, man, was that ever a great worship, a time, great time of worship? And if you ask, ask them, well, what do you mean by that? What, and when I've said that in the past, what do I mean? Well, that song, it just, it just moved me and it felt so good. And, oh, I just love, I love the beat of that song. Oh, those words, those words uh, sound so good. It made me feel good. And, oh, and everyone was singing and everything like that. And you start to realize that all so often that all these things are speaking to like, oh, I, don't, I just love the words. Oh, so mentally. So mentally, you really you really engage it mentally. Oh, physically, it just made me it moved me. My emotions, all these different things. And what I realized was is that um, so in so many ways, I guess the long and short of it is is that these things are masking reality of what's the, the the truth of what God's really trying to do. Prayer, or any time where we engage in in Christ, uh, should be an encounter between the infinite almighty God, Jehovah, and me, (laughs) Sean. Yes. A a tiny, tiny little speck in the universe, uh, uh, a a man that uh, I, I can't, I can't, I can't boast in anything. I can't boast in the fact that I'm even sitting here. I can't boast in the fact that my heart's beating. I can't boast in the fact that I'm telling you anything. I can't boast in the fact that I'm even able to speak to you right now and talk to you about things. All of these things, everything about me has been given to me. All these things have been attributed to me by a living God. All these things, I'm held together by him, fashioned by him, loved by him somehow. And yet I I never get to that place of realizing that because I'm afraid to go there. And so I mask everything. So for me, prayer uh, is, yeah, it's about, you know, meeting and being loved by God. Yeah, it is about that. But how can I even get there if I'm serving my body? Um, I might not be articulating this properly. But so for me, when I, when I realized, wow, my favorite prayer times uh, were, I was sure feeling good, but I wasn't changing. Yep. Shouldn't every time I meet with the Lord, shouldn't there be some change on my part? Probably not on his, right? <laughs> because he's, he's he's the perfect, infinite God. So every time I meet with him, there should actually be uh, a perseverance. There should be a severity to it. There should be a changing moment. There should be something where all of a sudden I realize, unless I've already been made perfect, but I haven't. Um, so if I haven't been made perfect yet, then every time of prayer should be a time where I actually come and also I'm faced with, I need to repent. I need to change. I need to conform more to his image than to mine. So when I, when I started thinking about that, I started to realize my body first and foremost is the lowest, is the lowest uh, link in my life 
but but I've, I'm actually serving my body all the time. And how can I be serving Christ if I'm more concerned about being comfortable physically? Right. And so I I just I, I took the steps where I said, okay, so every time I pray uh, in the, in the mornings so and when I start off my day, I'm going to submit my body. I the last thing I wanted to do was get up and and, and prepare my body for serving the Lord. The last thing. And so then I made sure that was the first thing I did. And so I do my squats and my push-ups and everything. And I, I, I submit my body. I whip my body into submission. And I say, my body is yours, Jesus. And then I submit my emotions to him. And then I submit my mind to him. And I do that through a number of di- different, different things. Like uh, even like with my mind, one of the things that I started doing uh, quite a while ago now is uh, I, I pray through liturgy. And I pray through scripture and specific liturgy. And when I first started looking at that, I, it, it offended me. It offended my mind um, because uh, it seemed dead and archaic. And I thought, I need to be alive in Christ. I just need to be, you know, just, I need to be free. And, and I need to be all this. And the Lord showed me that uh, part of that was uh, that I was serving my emotions. And part of that was because I was serving my mind. And he said, I want you to take my word and I want you to speak it over your life and speak it over your family. And I want you to do it every day. And I want you to do it without fail every day for coming weeks and months and years. And I want you to trust my word and not your thoughts in your mind. Wow. So, that's, so anyway, really interesting. I love that application of that is to take liturgy and use that uh, that way. So that's so I didn't mean to interrupt, but so is that uh, the end of your your kind of your morning routine or is there uh, no no so I so I'll go through that I'll I'll do all those uh, physical exercises while I'm praying and then as I'm just praying and asking the Holy Spirit to speak to to me and then I get down and I start stretching and then I pray through uh, the Lord's prayer. And uh, that again, that offended my mind a couple of years ago. And then <laughs> Jesus is like, uh, "You, my disciples, asked me how to pray, and so I told you. And yet somehow you think you're above that. You are an arrogant, arrogant young man, well, older man. Like, yeah. yeah, you're right. You're right. And so I pray through the Lord's prayer, and it, it, it's so interesting. I mean, it, it just, it just, it came so alive to me. So, uh, for example, as I started praying through the Lord's Prayer, um, he said, uh, first he he had me write out, I always do this, I write out all the people that I'm connected with, my family, my my close friends, my tribe, my uh, people, my clients, my students, my family, all this stuff, write all these names, and I pray for them by name every day. Every day I pray through them all. And as I pray through them, I allow the Holy Spirit to lead me to pray for specific things. But what what he had me do is I was praying through the Lord's prayer. Uh, he would just he just open it up like it, it's it's again it's almost two years of doing this every day and it, it, it's every day it's something new. But I remember the first number of weeks, I got to the Lord's prayer and I was praying, "Our Father," and I just stopped. And it for weeks I couldn't go any further. And as he just opened it up, and I just realized, "Our Father." And he just, all of a sudden, he melted away arrogance in my life and independence in my life. I remember that was the first thing that he he he, he ministered to me. So all of a sudden, I realized, oh, it's our father. 
it's not my father it's our father yeah oh and and he just brought so much repentance in my heart and then and, and i remember a few weeks later as i got and, and holy be your name may your ho- name be holy and he just stopped me and again just quietly in my heart he says what's my name and i just kind of kind of like kind of shook me kind of stopped me dead and i went what's your name uh, jesus and i just started thinking <laughs> I was thinking, and then he just started bringing me back to just the Bible school days and studies of the different names of the Lord, and it just started this months, months of digging into the into the Scripture and digging into the names of the Lord, and he says, "My name is my nature, and my nature is now your nature." And so, when you're praying, "Hallowed be your name," when you're praying, "May your name be holy in my life, in my life, in my wife's life, in my daughter's lives, in my best friend's life," you know, so on and so on. You're praying that my nature would become their nature. So, what's my nature? And all of a sudden, we started getting into like Jehovah, Jehovah Nisi, or Jehovah Jireh, Je- uh, Jehovah Shalom. Just rocked me. Just the the peace and uh, the the wholeness, the um, the as, as I dug deeper and deeper into, uh, man, I, I'll get going. So you stop me whenever you need me to. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, this is, it's excellent because I, I love how such uh, simplicity grows into complexity. Like it's, it's such yeah. a, it sounds like just a very simple thing. But mm-hmm. when you apply it day in and day out, yeah. uh, there's so much change and so much um uh, new things that can arise from it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, and so so I just want to stay on track. You So you do your stretching, and then is that is that the end of your kind yeah. of? Yeah, so I stretch. I, I pray through the Lord's Prayer. I pray for every, every I got, uh, I don't know how many people there are there, but I pray by name uh, for all my uh, family, my uh, friends, my, my core group, uh, different people. And pray, pray through them, uh, through that. Some days I'll specifically pray a specific uh, benediction over them. Um, for quite a while, I was praying, uh, was it from Numbers? Uh, sorry, lost off the top of my head, but the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, the Lord shine his face upon you and give you his favor, may he give you his grace and, uh, and his shalom. And then he just started to speak to me just about what that means. And I, the, the, the amount, the amount of, the amount of the kingdom of God coming and tangibly changing lives in, in my family and in the circles of people around me as I, as I prayed through this to be able to, man, this could, this could just sound so uh, on one side, humanly, humanly speaking, this could sound so arrogant. But I think on Jesus, from Jesus' perspective, he would look at us, go, why can't you, why are you not all saying this? But to, but I can honestly say, like, I, when I pray, lives are changed. When I pray, thing, things are happening in people's lives. And I, I know it, like I've seen lives literally turned around as I've prayed, prayed for them in, in this way. Is and they there... have and, is there Sorry, an example that you could give that wouldn't, uh, you know, damage any confidentiality or anything? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. Um, I uh, so one of my jobs is how I do 
I do all this, uh, all this fitness and combative art stuff. But one of, one of my jobs is, uh, I, we, when I talk about, you know, raising people in prayer and intercession and exploits, um, our, our heart is to raise up teams of people and to do great exploits, to, uh, to bring righteousness back into our, into our cities, into our, into our country and very tangibly. And so I was given an opportunity uh, last year to um, go and start working at a at a condo in uh, in Bonus here in Calgary. And the the condo was a, like a 17 sweeter and and it'd been ravaged by a crime, uh, prostitution, uh, drug dealing, violence, uh, huge theft ring, all sorts of stuff, and a good third to almost half of the, the building had been taken over by, by all this. A gang had moved in. Uh, there, it was just, it was a very extremely severe place. Uh, such, such, so, so severe that, uh, that the police that we started, that I started getting connected with whatever were telling me that like there's literally thousands of uh, files on, on this place over the last uh, year and a half, two years, literally. And so they were very well averse with this place or, or very well known and police were always there. EMT was always there. That sort of thing. So, anyways, I was asked to go over there and help. <laughs> right. Okay. And I, I remember the yeah. I remember um, uh, being asked, and I asked the Lord. I was like, uh, "What should I do about this? I like, I'm not a building manager. I've never done anything, whatever." But they, I, one day, I was asked to just go over there and protect somebody while they were putting new uh, door uh, door locks on a door. And literally, that was my job to stand there and make sure he he would get out. And so I did that that one day and I went, wow, this place is extreme. And um, I just remember thinking that. Then the next day, uh, a gentleman asked me if I would actually uh, start working there permanently or to help clean up the place. And they're just desperate for it, desperate. They didn't know what to do. So anyways, all that to say, uh, when I asked the Lord about it, um, he said, uh, this, this is what I felt in my heart. He said, he said, Sean, this is no different than in the days of David. He says, I've given my people land. I've given my people oh, land and uh, places to flourish, and this place has been uh, ravaged by the enemy. And just like in David's day, I'm, I'm giving you this place, I'm giving this land and these people, and I'm going to teach you how to tangibly uh, extend my kingdom and see my kingdom come here, tangibly. Not just from the pulpit, standing up there, and I'm not, I'm not dissing uh, preaching and stuff like that, because there, obviously there is a need for it. Yeah. Uh, but first, like you, you actually mentioned it earlier, I had spent uh, 20, you know, 25 years of preaching and preaching theory Pre and, you know, rightfully so, you yeah. know, and, you know, passionately. And I believed it and everything like that. But now uh, in my at 50 years old, uh, 10 years after my concussion, uh, he placed me in this building. He said, I'm going to show you uh, how to bring the kingdom. And so I, I did security and I dealt with evicting people, dealt with gangs, I dealt with prostitution, I dealt with all the stuff, I dealt with fire, dealt with police, I dealt with floods, I dealt with homicide investigations, I dealt with no, one, one, I dealt with a body, I dealt with all these things. And in the midst of it all, he showed me how to use, how to kindness and the, and the severity of, uh, of God in that place. And now I was just over there just before this, this phone call. I was just over there today, you know, basically my only job over there now is to shovel, shovel snow, uh, because it's totally, it's totally cleaned up in the last uh, seven months. Uh, and in the time I've been there, there, 
I have not had to deal with violence uh, personally. Uh, we, we've seen, I've had people stand across from me um, that have, you know, at one time we're walking through dragging baseball bats through the hallway and threatening people and with violence and stuff uh, stand across from me and say, when they realized who I was, well, they didn't even know why I was there. And when they realized who I was and I was security and I was all this stuff. And it, I remember one guy said, when you're around me, you're a calming presence in my life. Huh. And he says, I can't believe that you're security because you're so kind to us. Right. And I, and all of this, I mean, there's tangible things I had to do. There's things I had to go in there. There's things I had to face. There's thing, things that I had, you know, I had to do, but it all came out of, uh, it literally all came out of my mornings, my mornings of praying for those people by name, praying for those sweets by number, uh, praying that the kingdom of God would come, praying that by, that his name, that the, that Jehovah Shalom, the peace of God would reign. And I could mention their names reign in their hearts. And I would pray for them and I say, when Lord, when I'm standing in front of them later today, when I have to evict, when I have to enter that suite and there's an opportunity for violence, I'm praying the shalom of God into that situation, into that individual's heart. And I would, I would stand in the gap for them. I would pray. I would identify with them as Jesus, as, as you know, as Jesus has identified with us. He's called us to intercede. And so I would realize that, but by the grace of God, I would be in the same place. And so I would, I would stand before the Lord for with these people by name, and I'd pray for God's forgiveness over them and the blood of Christ to cover them. And then I would pray for freedom from the power of that sin in their lives, of violence, of the vileness that was in their lives. And then I'd pray that when I go and I'd stand before them today, later that day, that there would be peace and that they would, uh, they would comply. And day after day, week after week, it happened. So much so that I, would, I, remember, I remember the day that we were dealing with a potential homicide and the homicide detectives showed up. I was standing in the hallway and they came in and they, and they asked me who I was and I told them who they were, who I was. And they said, Oh, you're Sean. I've heard real <laughs> good things about you. And they said, thank you for what you're doing here. And I was just like, wow. Wow. Like, yeah. <laughs> just incredible. Incredible. So without going into more details about that, uh, the last seven months of watching that happen and walking through it uh, <laughs> with fear and trembling often, um, and, and seeing that, uh, I would never, we wouldn't, I would never have been able to do that safely for one without prayer. But I, but I can honestly, I can, I can point to a building that is full of people and people are renewing their leases now that we're trying to get out of there because they were afraid and, uh, they're all thanking me. Not, not, and many of them not even realizing that it's the kingdom of God that has come Yeah, in, in there. So, yeah. Yeah. That uh, that's a great example. Um so <laughs> so out of a, such a simple little morning routine. It, I mean it sounds simple, but it's not it's not simple. It's it's uh there's a lot going on there. Um and and it's a routine, right? Like it's it's something yeah. you've been doing over and over and over and it just keeps growing and developing. I, I got a really basic question for you. How long are you mm -hmm. spending doing this every morning? Uh, good question. Um, 
Uh, it varies for me. I mean, with with my with my schedule, every day is a little bit different. Um, uh, but what I've found is what what, what I what, when I first started doing it, um, what I what I felt the direction that I felt like the Lord was giving me because he, I felt like He was giving me a template for other people. So we've taken we've taken a lot of other people actually through this and actually uh, trained them in it too. Um, but it was a minimum. Uh, actually, when uh, when we when we first start with people and training people in it, we say uh, 15 minutes. That's it. Yeah. No more, no less. Yeah. And that's actually that actually offends the mind because uh, we always uh, we always think, well, I got to do more. I got to do more, and this pride kind of thing rises up in us. We feel like we got to. I said, no, 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 you don't. And so there's a, there was. Oh man, there's so much I could talk about that. But but we we kept it very 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 uh, simple. Which was actually quite offending to the mind, um, uh, and and very uh, very tight, fifteen minutes. And so there there was there was months where like I worked a um, uh, year year and a half ago. I worked real heavy, uh, some heavy construction demolition, and um, I was up really early and worked like in crazy heat, and it was very very difficult work for weeks. And then I was roofing and doing a whole bunch of stuff on the side, whatever. And uh, and uh, the Lord said, "You watch because you'll be able to do this in the midst of all of that." And so, 15 minutes. So I always got up and I had 15 minutes uh, before before I left, and I'd uh, and I would uh, go through these exercises. And uh, and and then there's other times where there, there's some days because my my schedule and I, I our studios at home here. We and uh, so I I put together my own schedule, whatever. But there's some days where. I'll, it'll break off into like a couple hours just because of the, the, the kind of so-called the rabbit hole, so to speak, the, the Holy Spirit will just lead you in the word and prayer. And it's just, it's a beautiful time or whatever. But, but yeah. most days like today, they, today was 15 minutes because I had a, because I had a, some shoveling to do over at the, at the condo in Bonas or whatever. And I had this coming up. So that's, so uh, real, I'm different. really glad I asked that because, um, you know, sometimes, it, it feel like if you haven't got some kind of a morning routine like this, or it could be in the evening or whatever, um, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes it seems like, well, yeah, I don't have an hour to spend. But, mm -hmm. you know, right. most people can carve out 15 minutes, right? Like, uh, right. you know, right. and and when you do it like this, it, it becomes uh, a difference maker. It, it becomes a change mm -hmm. agent in your life. Like when God shows up like that, it, it, makes a difference it ham um, helps yeah. you handle it so i agree this um i want to kind of just swing around to kind of current events obviously um uh, we're in kind of a, an unprecedented era time of um, this covid19 and all that um COVID how what? has COVID what? what was that called yeah <laughs> never, heard of, <laughs> never heard of that probably never heard of that yeah uh no, no. <laughs> what um like what has changed for you personally? Um, like if anything, I guess what I'm asking or trying to get at is how has this kind of spiritual practice um, made a difference in your life, even in these times of uncertainty? Um, <clears throat> not a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh I'll I'll be honest I, I've had a couple conversations with some friends lately and I have been hesitant uh, uh to talk about some things around some people because there's kind of this 
a little bit of a, I don't know how, how you want to say it. I want a blanket statement stuff or whatever, but there's kind of like this kind of outrage kind of culture <clears throat> kind of thing in, in, in our world today, in our society today, that if, uh, if you're not upset about something that people get upset with you, um, if, if you're not worked up or if you're not anxious, <clears throat> um, like the rest of the world, then there must be something wrong with you. Sorry. I just got to take some water. Here. <clears throat> um, I think I think when you uh, I, I'm not at all saying that there there aren't challenges there there definitely are challenges I mean for for me uh, I, I've lost uh, well we've had to shut down all of our classes um, you can't be wrestling around with kids and stuff in the middle of all of this um, and all my clients and uh, and we've got some like uh, online uh, virtual stuff going on but for the most part the business is shut down. Yeah, and my wife's still working, but she works for H HS and stuff, so she's definitely uh, being used, whatever. But so a lot of that, a lot of that has changed. But in regards to peace of mind and heart, in regards to our home and the the peace and the joy that's in our home, um, we've never been better. Uh, I'll be I'll be honest. Um, and that's why I kind of you kind of hesitate saying things like that because people kind of think <laughs> look at you and go, well, who who are you? But, but um, the, I, I think when you, I mean, for me personally, I told someone this the other day, uh, they were really upset about stuff and everything. And, and I kind of reflect back on the last 10 years, and especially those first three, three and a half years after my accident. And uh, for me, there's never been more, a, any more, a more hellish time in my life um, when I couldn't trust my mind and uh, every, everything was just uh, so, so difficult or whatever. Um, what it did for me is, is that it, it taught me not to trust, not to trust my mind, <laughs> to be yes. honest. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I realized I can't, uh, it, what, what that actually did for me was that it actually kind of took the mask off of, off this thought, this idea that I thought I could trust it. And you, you, the Lord showed me, no, you actually can't, <laughs> you can't, you, you really can only trust me. You gotta be able to trust, uh, tr tr trust me. Um, there, there's a. There's a scripture, oh, if I can remember, where, where God speaks to his people. God, oh, where is it? Where he speaks to, um, sorry, brain pardon. Yeah. Oh, uh, can I say fart on this? Sorry, <laughs> yeah. Pardon me. Uh, but when the, I think it's in Isaiah, and, and he says this, and th this is, it, in a in a positive sense has haunted me uh, since uh, he opened this up to me and he says and God spoke to me in the strongest terms and that's what gripped me when I first read that I thought oh <laughs> when God spoke to me in the strongest terms it's one thing when God speaks to you but when yeah. God speaks to you in the strongest terms I thought what is that and he says he says do not think like everybody else and I was like oh and the context of that was that uh, he was saying, you know, when there's, do not be fearful and anxious about conspiracies and about plans being made behind closed doors to, uh, you know, bring you harm and take your life. Yeah. And it's not that it's not that he was just, you know, it wasn't saying don't be afraid of these stupid, stupid stories and made up things. There were those. There were conspiracies, you know, that sort of thing and stuff like that. Things that probably weren't true, whatever. There were those, but there was also at the time there were actually plans being made to bring harm to the people. There were plans being made behind closed doors, so there was actually legitimate threats too. 
But he says, do not think like everybody else. And that's panic, that's anxiety, that's being gripped by that fear. And uh, just before that, what God was, uh, what God was um, uh, bringing, bringing the point he was making was, is that he says, my people have chosen not to accept my gentle care, his shalom. And when you, when you get into the word, I, I listened to uh, I listened to um, or I, I read a study by a, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but uh, by a Jewish rabbi, and he was talking about this scripture, and he's talking about shalom, and what you know we always think oh shalom, you know peace, peace, and maybe someone would go a little bit deeper, you know peace, wellness, wholeness, that sort of thing, which is all right, but he really got deep into it, and and, and, and this passage and stuff, and and, and there was a part in it that just just rocked me and he said you know the different interworkings of the words and the meanings and stuff like that and he says at, at the very root of it, it it means this shalom means or a part of it means destroying or overcoming and destroying all authorities that would attempt to bind us to chaos overcoming and destroying all authorities that would that would attempt to bind our lives to chaos Wow, that is so uh, real today. Isn't oh, it? Yeah. Like that's that's yeah. yeah, that's really really good. Yeah, even going back to that that uh, benediction, that blessing: the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, the Lord shine His face upon you, the Lord sh- smile upon you and give you His favor, the Lord give you His grace and His shalom. The context of that, if I understand it right, was. Israel fighting for their land. Israel, the people of Israel going to war when they were blessing people with this blessing, when they were seeing one another and they were blessed and speaking this over them, they were like strapping on their swords and their shields. They were binding up wounds and they were pretending to go to war. Yeah. And so often when we think, oh, shalom, oh, peace, sit in my warm, cozy chair with my coffee, <laughs> feel all warm and fuzzy. <laughs> No, shalom is a battle cry. It is. It is. It, it is with the hope of and the and the, the vision of and the desire for peace. But it is. Uh, it's a battle cry from the from the very core of our beings and together as brothers and sisters, as uh, men and women, and co- uh, comrades in arms. You know, where we're going to war and we're we are going to fight against this op- this oppression. We're going to fight against this exploitation. We're going to fight against these thoughts and these authorities that would, by their words and their ideas and their actions, that would keep us into keep us in a place of perpetual chaos in our hearts. And in our lives, and in our relationships, and in our homes. That's, and uh, so, yeah, yeah, that's of, really that's good. Thing. I'm actually, I'm really glad that. <clears throat> excuse me, I'm really glad that you um, circled back around to that because I was, I was thinking about coming back and asking about that, and so uh, that was perfect. Um, is there, um, you know what? I, is there anything else that is kind of on your mind that you would like to share? Um, um, I don't, that's kind of a vague question, I guess. I guess what I was thinking when you were saying that, like you have a great knowledge of the scriptures and uh, these pictures, you know, come to your mind and, uh, and that sort of thing. But, you know, like that's not everyone's experience. 
how does mm, right. um, what you're doing on a day-to-day basis with your, you know, kind of your morning routine and, and stuff, how, what would you say to someone who, um, you know, hasn't had that in their life and, and they are mm-hmm. uh, anxious and concerned and maybe they've lost their job and uh, there's, yeah. there's problems that they're facing. What would you say, how would you counsel them? Mm. Oh, I mean, I go, I go back to in my living room uh, where that couch is and those pictures are up on the wall. There is a print of, uh, oh, I just lost it. I love still those words. Um, but, um, sure. oh, who's it that, who is it that painted, uh, painted the, the prodigal son? There's that a famous painting of the prodigal son where the father and the prodigal was kneeled down and is the father's got his hand on him and there's the brothers behind him. Um, anyway, okay. the yep. famous painting of the prodigal. And that's, that's in my living room again um because it reminds me it always brings me back to this one thing is that uh when i was at my worst when i deserved to be in jail uh when i should have uh, been when i should have been put into prison for a number of years um when i was at my absolute worst um that's when jesus uh, chose he didn't cho- choose to meet me in a service yeah. he didn't choose to meet me when i was with a pastor or when i was sitting in a warm cozy chair reading my bible drinking a coffee <laughs> uh, he he chose to meet me at my absolute worst and the, the whole idea of intercession the whole idea of uh, if you know the term like from the old old testament standing in the gap is that you you have a you have somebody that is willing to go <clears throat> to somebody's place in their wall, which is usually by their home. So, and they've got a hole in their wall, and the 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 wolves are able to get in and everything, and they're willing to go and stand in the gap on that on behalf of that person, and put themselves at risk, and to have a shovel in one hand, so to speak, and a sword in the other hand, and to defend that hole. That you know, for whatever reason, yeah. that person has allowed to have happen in their lives and jesus stood in the gap obviously for us and and in in such a way that he identified himself he wasn't afraid to actually be identified with me at that point yeah. in my life and so in the midst of all this that's up on my wall there because it always comes back to that because i don't i'm not always i'm not always clear clear-headed and i'm not i don't always i'm not always disciplined i'm not always whatever um but i always go back to that i always go back to to that heart of that heart of the father that he ran towards me when i when i finished spending all my money and i was eating out of the pig's gutter and i spent my money on prostitutes and gambling and whatnot and then destitute, I came crawling back, and he ran towards me. He didn't hesitate, and he still doesn't hesitate. And so, with all the all the anxiety and all the fear and all the things that are going on in the world today, I mean, th- this is our doing. I mean, I can't be so arrogant to you know point my finger at, the, at our country or the world and say, "What's wrong with all of you?" No, it's it's me. It's us. 
<laughs> this is we're a product of our thinking. We're a product of the choices we've made. We're a product of all of that. Um, d- d- discipline, me, it, d- discipline in itself. Even though that that's i you know that's kind of what I'm known for, or whatever. Discipline in itself is nothing. It's meaningless. It's the object of the discipline. It's the object of our worship. It's the object of our submission. That that means everything. Um, I could be disciplined towards uh, you know arrogant, um, self self satisfying uh, needs or or concerns or or thoughts or whatever, and I'll just be a product of that. But the 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 the, the focus of our discipline is the nature of Christ, and he he's just so kind. He's just so kind, and I know that it's fearful, and I know that people are anxious, and I know that uh, that we can get really whipped up in it and and suffer for it. But it's in the midst of those moments, it's in, in the midst of those weaknesses. I guess going back to what I was saying earlier, <clears throat> that you can find you, you can find that this kind, this incredibly kind and loving Father running towards you. Not, not to slap you around, not to, not to reprimand you, but to embrace you, right? In the midst of all of it. And yeah. uh, so I've, when Paul says, Con- "Consider it pure joy," I mean this. I think this is in part what he's talking about. It's in those incredibly weak moments. Oh man, when in the moment when you know, you know, Peter's like denying Christ. Oh my gosh. And just seeing the look on Jesus' face and looking at people and denying Christ and just after everything he's been through and denying Christ and denying Christ and denying Christ. But the kindness of Jesus reached out to him. Yeah. And compelled him from those days forward. We'll make all sorts of mistakes in these coming days. We all will. Yeah. But it's the kindness of Jesus that that will that will uh that will um that will raise us over this. That will that will help us overcome the chaos. Help us overcome these, the whatever is going on that's trying to bind our hearts and our our homes to chaos. It's the kindness. Excuse me. It's the kindness of Jesus that will uh, that will free us and liberate us from it. That's uh, no. That's really well said. Um, but yeah, for me, for me, I mean, the, 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 one of the major themes for me and. My wife Barb and Naomi um, is that even though we're you known, you know, lift big weights and we uh, teach people how to break limbs and <laughs> whatever, and, and and we security stuff and everything, we're known kind of known for all this stuff. Um, but um, it, it it's it's compelled by the kindness of Jesus, and yeah. it, it's only it's only motivated by that, um, and uh, yeah. That's very interesting. We just There's a huge contrast, really, in your life that way, isn't there? Um, yeah. You know, uh, the the self defense, the martial arts, and stuff is uh, is could be considered quite aggressive. Um, mm-hmm. But yep. um, you know, and in the wrong hands, yes. Um, but mm-hmm. when Definitely. I hear your your routine, your habit of of prayer and time with God like this um, and uh, and Shalom it's not that way mm. yeah 
I, I, I really appreciate you um, taking the time to um, talk to me today about this. Uh, is there anywhere uh, you'd recommend people go to if they want to get in touch with you, if they want to say hi or reach out to you? Um, what's the best avenue for that? Uh, probably probably easiest to I mean, you can go to our website and, and you can contact us. Our contact information is on there too. I mean, you don't have to just go to our website to, you know, lift weights or, or punch a heavy bag or whatever. But if you go to uh, www.formidable-living.com, formidable-living.com, that's our, that's our website. And you can find our email addresses and phone numbers and stuff. Both okay. are... Barb, Naomi, and myself are on there under contacts. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, I'll put that in the show notes as well. So mm -hmm. um, I really appreciate talking to you again, Sean. Uh, thank you so much mm -hmm. for sharing your heart and what God has done in your life. Mm -hmm. Glad to. It's an honor. I quite enjoyed this. It was fun. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you liked it, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And uh, if you want a free seven-day introduction to Christian meditation, go to meditateonchrist.com.